0: We're used to looking at pigmented lesions in the office all the time. I mean, skin checks are a bread and butter of what we do. But in the genital area, pigmented lesions are cannot be diagnosed as easily morphologically. And there are things that can look very benign and unexciting that can turn out to have some malignant potential. So what I'm going to do is spend the next while talking about brown things on the vulva and on the penis every once in a while. And towards the end, I'm going to show you how I biopsy this area. We have physicians in my area, gynecologists, who take all of their patients to the operating room to do a punch biopsy. And we have patients, uh, we have uh, gynecologists in my area who will do a biopsy with no anesthesia, saying that it hurts just as much to numb it up as to do the biopsy. So I'm delighted to be talking to people who are adept at dermatology and know that there is a middle road here. Um, This again is Alaska. So I'm going to be talking about things that can look brown, blue, and black on the vulva. Some of them may be pigment as in melanin, or they may be other things that just look brown but aren't necessarily. Uh, In general, pigmented lesions can be a tumor, we all know that. They can, it can also be due just to inflammation. We know in other areas of the body, if you have a darkly complexed patient and they have inflammation, it often simply looks darker brown. It doesn't look red. That's especially true on the vulva and especially in our African-American patients. Um, it can look like it's pigmented, but not be, like um, uh, acanthosis nigricans, where the skin is thicker and there's no actual increase in pigment there, but it looks brown. And sometimes this can be from a tattoo, from radiation or decorative, and it's amazing where some people will get their tattoos. There are some people with a much higher pain tolerance than I. Um, As I was saying just a minute ago, uh, morphologic appearance is where we all start, but you often can't tell for sure by simply looking at something. A lesion that is on the vulva I may sample whereas if that were on the arm I would never even think about it. And I'm going to go through everything that can look brown or blue or black pretty much on the vulva and it's not my goal to confuse you by showing you a whole bunch of different things but rather to get your attention and to have you biopsy anytime you are not sure. On the vulva with a pigmented lesion if you have any question you always biopsy. Um, Let me see here, Um, if you think something may be a melanoma and it's a single lesion, you know it's it's dermatology uh, uh, law that you don't shave those off. You're going to either excise it or do a punch. Fortunately, uh, a lot of pigmented lesions on the vulva are multifocal, so you've got more leeway. You can do a shave and still end up getting a diagnosis from another lesion if you don't go quite deep enough. So let's first go through tumors. And all of these are are tumors that you're very aware of on other parts of the body. Um, And then also not tumors, physiologic hyperpigmentation, especially uh, women who are uh, getting hormone replacement or who are um, pregnant or who are on hormones trying to become pregnant, can get physiologic hyperpigmentation, hyperpigmentation. And the acanthosis nigricans that I was talking about, purpura, sometimes can look very, very black inflammatory and post inflammatory hyperpigmentation, and then vulvar melanosis, which I have some pictures of, and it's a very um, queer, interesting, and fun thing to find. Okay, starting with this, you know, here we've got this perianal lesion. It's well demarcated, evenly pigmented, and smaller than a lead pencil eraser. And if you saw this on somebody's arm or on their back, you would probably say that this is a a nevus, and this is a junctional nevus, and that's the same thing that it is on this patient. Um, Most of the time, if you're looking at the vulva and you see a pigmented lesion and it's single, that's going to give you a much higher chance that it's going to be a nevus because other things that can be pigmented, such as pigmented warts, they're usually going to have more than one of those. Nevi are going to be flat or they're going to be dome-shaped. They are not usually this flat-topped the way a seborrheic keratosis can be. But sometimes a nevus can be indistinguishable from a pigmented wart or from a seborrheic keratosis. Um, and it can even be indistinguishable from VIN3 or VIN3. Now, VIN3 is relatively new nomenclature for squamous cell carcinoma in situ. It's what dermatologists have called Bowenoid papulosis. Um, Gynecologists all call this VIN3. Now, if you have VIN1 or 2, those don't really mean anything. Those can be just with irritation. If you do a biopsy uh, adjacent to papular lichen planus, you can get back something that says VIN1. So you don't pay attention to that. But VIN3 is squamous cell carcinoma in situ. So when you see that as a possibility, you need to pay attention. Also realize that squamous cell carcinoma of the vulva and of the glands of the penis are not the same as sun-induced squamous cell carcinoma. You can have a squamous cell carcinoma on your arm, even an invasive one, and cure it, and that's acceptable. But if you have a squamous cell carcinoma on the genitalia, that has a much higher risk of metastasis, and that is not something that you're just gonna cut off in the office. That's the kind of thing that goes to a gynecologic oncologists where they have to decide depending on how thick it is, kind of like with our melanomas, they will look and see not how thick it is but how deeply it invades and consider things such as lymphadenopathy, I mean uh, lymphadenectomy. So you can't translate an arm to a vulva when it comes to squamous cell carcinoma. And VIN3 is just one step away from it so we need to take that very seriously. Here's another nevus. And you know this is this nevus isn't that big? It's that this picture is really enlarged. I mean that vulva must be what 25 feet tall. So <laughs> so that nevus is is still probably less than the size of a lead pencil eraser. Um, and you know anytime you take a picture of a nevus and you blow it up big enough, you can see all the slight irregularities in it. Every time I give a talk on pigmented lesions to non-dermatologists. At the end of the talk, a fourth of the room is up there saying, right here, what about this one? See, it's got that little speck in there, and this one is, no, that's a that's a So most nevi will have something a little bit wrong with it. But this is something I biopsy. It's a little bit dark, it's on the vulva. And not only can nevi look a little bit funnier on the vulva than other places, but histologically nevi on the vulva will look more atypical than they do in other places, particularly in women who are pregnant. It can be hard at times to tell a melanoma from a nevus on the vulva. Pay attention to these. Every once in a while God is good, and he gives you several different lesions so that, uh, you know, that it's likely that these are going to be a benign process, but I would still biopsy this personally to make sure that there is no HPV slash VIN3. Pigmented warts that are flat are the ones that are most likely to show VIN3. And, you know, I feel ridiculous when I do it often, I will look at these things. Now, if this person's covered with these all over their body, that's a different thing. It's the context. But if you look at somebody and these are clustered around the genital area and they look just like nevi, I'd still biopsy it because you simply can't tell nevi from VIN3 at times. And a biopsy in your office using anesthesia is not a big deal. How often do we do a biopsy every day in our offices? Excuse me. Okay, so you already know all of this. Nevi should be symmetrical. They should have sharp, regular borders. They should have an even color. They should be smaller than five to seven millimeters in diameter. Um, But then, as I've said, most nevi have got a little notch or a little fleck of pigment somewhere. And here is a, a nevus that's on an inner thigh. And this one on biopsy showed a dysplastic nevus or atypical mole or whatever you like for your terminology to be. And you can certainly get dysplastic nevi on a mole. This, however, is a melanoma. And it's, it can be hard to go from here to here because if you describe it, they they're both have irregular borders, they both have irregular color, they both have irregular surface, but it's a matter of degree. And that's why we have biopsies. So as you well know, with melanoma... <clears throat> you know what it is? It's a malignancy of melanocytes. And morphologically, these are asymmetrical. The borders are either indistinct or irregular. The color is irregular. The diameter is large. And then the e. I don't like the e about evolving. Everybody, the first day they see something is the is the day that it appeared. And certainly, if you're talking about an evolva, evolving just doesn't help very much. Um, but anything that that follows this um, description certainly needs to be biopsied. Now a weird thing about melanoma on the vulva is that it is very very often multifocal when it appears. So whereas seeing multiple lesions most of the time is is reassuring on the vulva when you see irregular very dark lesions that may well be melanoma. Melanoma is the second most common malignancy on the vulva after squamous cell carcinoma. Now it's said that five percent of vulvar malignancies or melanoma, but I don't believe that in the real world. I have a terrible time trying to find a photograph of uh, vulvar melanoma. I had to get this one from a friend in Australia. And when I call my local gynecologic oncologist, he sees fewer than one a year, and yet he spends his days taking off squamous cell carcinomas and doing other gynecologic malignancies. So I don't think it's really all that common. However, um, I do vulvar and genital dermatology for a living, and I don't look at the vulva when I do a skin check. How many people here look at the vulva when you do a skin check? Wow, I'm impressed. You put them up in stirrups. Who puts their patient up in stirrups to look at to do it? I probably should do it. And I also don't look in the mouth, and I know a lot of people look in the mouth. But I do do a skin check on everybody every year. Um, but especially if somebody's got some atypical pigmented lesions if melanoma is the second most common uh, uh, cancer of the vulva we probably should be looking for it more because gynecologists as a group are not very good in skin and I'm not not picking on the gynecologist is that anybody but dermatologists are not very good at skin we didn't learn that yes sir I don't think it matters I'd just pick a place and I'd biopsy it, and it's going to come back either malignant or it's going to come back genital melanosis, which looks very different on biopsy, and I'm going to get there in a minute, plus biopsying techniques. Uh, now, this one, I mean, everybody's mama would know this is bad. But not all melanomas have that black, shiny, nodular appearance. This is a melanoma on the um, inside of a woman's thigh, and she's been following it for several years and it's not, um, it is not uh, changing at all, and her gynecologist wasn't worried about it, but while she was there for skin check, she thought that she would ask. And this was a 2 millimeter melanoma. Because it is larger than a lead pencil eraser, it has irregular borders, irregular color, irregular surface. This is an irregular lesion. It's not good. And uh, 12 years later, she's still doing well. Fortunately, she's only 19. Okay, melanoma. This I'm just going to go through quickly because we're you've been melanoma today, and we'll be melanomaing more. Uh, We know that the diagnosis is by biopsy. You can look at these and have a strong suspicion, but you're going to biopsy it. And the prognosis is on almost entirely on the thickness of the lesion. Now, interestingly enough, um, the gynecologist and gynecologic oncologist don't use Breslow's level very much. They use Chung's level. Chung's level used to be equivalent to Clark's level, but there's no papillary versus reticular dermis, so uh, they just measure it differently, whereas we all know that thickness is what really makes a difference. But if you get back a biopsy and it talks about Chung's level, it's just another way of measuring it that doesn't have very much to do with what you're going to do. The therapy, as you know, is surgery primarily, and um, the margins are going to depend upon how thick it is, and what structures you are close to, and then you get a patient like this who has lots of dysplastic nevi, and these people certainly need their vulvas examined um, anytime they come in. There is not, in any place that I can find, an increase in vulvar melanoma in people with um, uh, with dysplastic nevi, uh, but the vulva is a very small part of the body and that's not likely to get reported separately. Dysplastic nevi, as you well know, have the same description. They're asymmetric. They have irregular borders. They have irregular color, and they tend to be big, and they exist on a spectrum between benign nevi and melanoma, and you just have to biopsy them to find out. Um, Here's a patient who has uh, dysplastic nevus on the vulva. I excised it. It came back like so many of mine do. I punched it out. Uh, You know... Dysplasia. You got close to a margin. You ought to reexcise it, which, which I did. It's not an easy place to follow a lesion. And um, here's another dysplastic nevus that I thought was going to be a melanoma and was not. Seborrheic keratosis. There is no predilection. For the vulva or for the genital area for seborrheic keratoses, so you don't often see them there. But certainly, we all have those patients who've got huge numbers of SEBCARES, and you'll just have one or two in the genital area in some of these people uh, because it's there; it's covered with skin. Uh, but you need to be careful because seborrheic keratoses can be indistinguishable from genital warts. And there was kind of a big thing maybe 10 years ago, 12 years ago, about how seborrheic keratoses in the genital area were caused by HPV. To me, a sub-care in the genital area that's caused by HPV is called a wart. But um, just consider doing a biopsy. That can also get you in trouble. I recently About two weeks ago, had a gentleman come in who turned out to have lichen sclerosis, but he also had a new mole on his penis. And, of course, his wife is a 26-year-old hospitalist in town, and so I shaved that off, and it came back um, possible HPV. And so then I had to deal with a single possible HPV lesion that there was nothing left to do viral typing on you can't always tell HPV from a seborrheic keratosis. And especially on the vulva, there are uh, glycogen-filled cells that can look very much like, um, like coelocytes. So be very careful if you get back a biopsy report that says that there are coelocytes and that there's HPV infection or suggestive of HPV or suggestive of viral effect and in calling that, um, that a wart. Uh, There are some places now where you can send that biopsy off for PCR and that can be even after the fact and that can be a real help when you um, uh, start a hornet's nest by finding that out. You already know what a seborrheic keratosis looks like. But sometimes, uh, especially on the genital area where the skin is moist and you don't see that keratotic nature, it can be a hard call. This is a Seb-care. This is obviously a seborrheic keratosis. Um, But here's one in the groin. It's not so clear. Probably is, but it's pretty irregular and nodular and looks kind of fleshy and feels kind of fleshy. So I did a little biopsy from the side to prove that it was a seborrheic keratosis and it was. Now, if I were a good dermoscopist or dermatoscopist or whatever you want to call that, I would not have to do some of these pigmented lesions. I am not. So those of you who are, great. Now here's one on on an inner thigh of a man. And I thought this was going to be a nevus, but this came back as a seborrheic keratosis. Sometimes you just can't tell, so you do biopsies. Okay, HPV and VIN3. Anogenital warts are regularly hyperpigmented, are brown, are dark, if you have a darkly pigmented patient. So our patients of African background, our Hispanic patients, our Native American patients, they will regularly have Pigmented warts, and you shouldn't worry about that. Um, But white people and lightly complexioned people do not often have pigmented warts. And the most common time for a wart to be caught, genital wart to be caused by a high risk HPV type, is when morphologically those warts are flat and they're pigmented. So if you see a flat, pigmented wart, a biopsy. Doesn't have to be a punch. All you're trying to do is just get a little sample of one of them or of the side of one to find out what the underlying main process is. This is a child who is uh, clearly darkly pigmented and you can see that she has these hyperpigmented but otherwise normal lobular warts. So I would never consider biopsying that. Now this is a woman who you can see is pretty light complexion and uh, she has had a biopsy done by her gynecologist and it came back seborrheic keratosis so he quit worrying about it. But you know that just did not look like any seb care I ever saw. So whenever you get back a biopsy that doesn't jive with your clinical impression, consider doing another biopsy. And on uh, biopsy this came back a perianal wart but it, there was no dysplasia. And I did, uh, went back and did it again because it still didn't jive. This doesn't look like the usual wart either. But it was. I biopsied both the um, uh, pigmented part and a couple of these skin-colored nodules. Oh, let me go back and say something about melanoma of the vulva. Melanoma of the vulva is more often than you would expect amelanotic. Ha. And you didn't it figure. Um, so it's, it's much more common to find a, um, a, 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 an amelanotic melanoma. Even when it's amelanotic, though, and it looks pink. Uh, it doesn't usually look skin colored. It looks uh, like an inflammatory papule or an inflamed tumor. If you look at it carefully, you'll usually see a few subtle flecks of pigment in it if you're my age and you have to get at your magnifiers. So usually there's some hint of, of, um, of pigment in there. Here's somebody who has got flat HPV infection. And this person, when I biopsied, pretend like it's a hirsute woman instead of a man's backside, um, when I biopsied his flat HPV, it came back um, intraepithelial neoplasia 3. So this was a squamous cell carcinoma in situ boinoid papulosis. Now, this wasn't actually on the genital area, and the mucous membranes and modified mucous membranes weren't involved in this, so I don't do as much of a, of a, of a real... Um, um, it is not so crucial as to treat it with margins and that sort of thing. This is something you could just freeze off because it's not on a mucous membrane or a modified mucous membrane. Of course, if you've got a woman and you've got these things on the outside, you want to make sure that her gynecologist realizes that she has intraepithelial neoplasia 3 so that that person will do um, uh, pap smears on a very regular basis and even consider colposcopy. Now, this is a black gentleman who also has hyperpigmented warts. And I told you black people have pigmented warts, but his are flat. I biopsied it, and he has boinoid papulosis, or PIN3. So when you've got something that's flat and hyperpigmented, biopsy it. Now, this is also a penis. Um, Sorry, I know this is a vulvar talk. Uh, But this is, I can't tell what this is by looking at it. But it doesn't look very, it doesn't look malignant. I mean, it's well demarcated, it's dome-shaped, uh, biopsied it. It was PIN3. He had some other lesions that were, that were helpful also. But I thought it was going to be a seborrheic keratosis. I biopsy much more in the genital area than in other areas. Now, this is on the labia magus in the coral crease of an elderly woman. And you can see these brown uh, plaques that look almost macular. That was VIN3, and the white areas were hyperkeratotic, thick macerated areas that were squamous cell carcinoma in situ. And this is pretty unexciting looking, but this came back VIN3, and with my magnifiers and with my finger I couldn't tell any elevation at all. It looked completely macular, but there was no reason that she should have this. Now, if you look at her vulva really carefully, look at her clitoris and clitoral hood. See, she's got Some agglutination of the clitoris over the clitoral hood, there. She has some um, adhesions, and she's got a little bit of edema of that clitoral hood, and it's a little bit white. And so she has uh, VIN3 that was actually associated with her lichen sclerosis. Angiokeratomas, well, why should I be talking about that? Because with angiokeratomas, uh, they aren't pigmented at all, they're purple. And sometimes angiokeratomas, though, on the genital area, like on the trunk, but more in the the genital area, can be so dark as to look nearly black. This is what we think of angiomas and angiokeratomas on the vulva looking like. This red, you know, you take a cherry angioma here, put it on the vulva, and that's what you've got. But very often they can look very, very dark. And they are sometimes solitary. And this is a vulva. And this is an angiokeratoma. It doesn't look vascular to me. It looks like a pigmented lesion and looks a whole lot like that. Um, uh, PIN3 on the shaft of that man's penis. So I uh, biopsied this and it came back angiokeratoma and I said, oh well. All right. Now these are basal cell carcinomas. Basal cell carcinomas occur on the vulva and on the scrotum. And for the male genitals, the scrotum is the most common place. For women, the labia majora is the most common place. And they are more likely to be pigmented there than they are in other areas. And I think you can see that these are kind of skin-colored, with a little bit of fleck of that grayish pigment in there. Not a whole lot. Once again, you get that biopsy. You get that answer by biopsy. When you don't know what something is, biopsy it. I sure am glad that I'm better at picking out lesions on other parts of the body, or I would spend my whole day biopsying everybody. But the vulva is a um, a different place where things are not necessarily what they seem. You already know about basal cell carcinomas as well. Um, They're not true carcinomas, but you do want to know that they're there because they're going to cause large ulcers otherwise. Uh, These are not women who necessarily have had radiation. We don't know why they come up, but they certainly can. There is no association. There's no association with HPV or smoking or anything else that we know, just bad luck. Clearly there's a reason, but we don't know what it is, and they're not common enough for anybody to have really tracked this down. Then there are pigmented lesions that are not tumor. Most of the time when you have large areas of pigment, it's macular. There's no thickening of the skin. They, they are just color change on the vulva. But you And be very careful to look, to be able to tell bluish-black colors from purple-red colors, since one is usually inflammation or vascular, and blue and black is usually pigmented melanin or something else like that. So things to look look for here are physiologic pigmentation. Here's a woman who is reasonably lightly pigmented, but she was on um, uh, hormonal therapy to try and become pregnant. And so her labia minora and her perianal skin are very dark. Uh, this is just somebody I was seeing for another reason, and she let me take a picture of her vulva because this is not something that usually comes to our attention unless a woman has recently read an article in Cosmopolitan or something and gets out a mirror and looks at herself and thinks that things have changed. Um, acanthosis nigricans, this is a really common place for acanthosis nigricans. Uh, as you know, you see this primarily in people who are overweight, who, people who have insulin resistance. You often see it around the neck, you see it in the axilla, uh, it seems to have something to do with skin folds and friction and hey, the, the vulva is a place where you've definitely got skin folds and friction so it's a place that you will see it there sometimes even when you don't see it in the axilla or around the neck uh, even though the skin looks thick you can see the velvety appearance and you can also see that there's some little skin taggy things because um, acanthosis nigricans is really uh, in some ways, histologically, a lot of very small skin tags. Um, so you often will see skin tags in association with acanthosis nigricans. Clinically, the skin looks dark. Clinically, the skin looks very thick, thickened. The reason they call it acanthosis. But it is not thick. It's just very folded. But if you take it and you, and, you, and you stretch on it, it's not thick. And if you biopsy it, the epidermis is not thick. It's just very, very folded. There is not an increase in melanocytes. It's just that the skin is very folded, so it looks darker. Um, it's associated, as I said, with insulin resistance, and we see it almost entirely in obese people. If you see this in a thin person, then you need to worry that there is something going on hormonally with that person and they should be seen by an endocrinologist for a screening because you want to be sure that they don't have any tumors that uh, may, be, may be causing this. If you see, a, see this in a diabetic or an obese person, there, um, there is nothing else that you really need to be doing about this. Here's another patient who's got this uh, fairly classic acanthosis nigricans and the skin tags, and someone else who was not especially overweight, and we were not able to find any reason for her to have... Uh, acanthosis nigricans. This is a woman who was sent to me to rule out melanoma and I think if you look at this you can see around the edges that it's um, kind of a reddish purple. This is purpura and it turned out that she had uh, lichen sclerosis and she had purpura because she had lichen sclerosis. This was not a pigmented lesion and when you looked at her whole vulva you could see what was really going on so she didn't need a biopsy to rule this out as a pigmented lesion. but be careful. Sometimes you have to, you have to get out the magnifiers. Uh, here's another patient who's got purpura that can have a, a really blackish, ugly, ugly color. Um, this is a patient who's got lichen simplex chronica. She's been rubbing and scratching, so she has got both um, inflammation as seen through dark skin, making it look darker, and she also has post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation because this has been going on for quite a while. Post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation can occur with lichen planus and lichen sclerosis as well. Both of those conditions uh, very often will have some patchy post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation. Uh, You can see hers is not very marked, but it's pigment that doesn't really belong there. But she also has no labia minora, and she's got some scarring over her clitoral hood. Um, If I saw this person, I would just look at it and say she's got lichen sclerosis. It usually appears as the lichen sclerosis is going away and if this doesn't resolve, she will still have this in 15 years. She is stuck with it. Lichen sclerosis and lichen planus are both diseases that disrupt the basement membrane because there's lichenoid inflammation so you get melanin that's released into the dermis more than with some other diseases. Here's another patient who's got some patchy hyperpigmentation and she's got lichen sclerosis. It's a very tricky thing with lichen sclerosis, though, because there might be a relationship between lichen sclerosis and melanoma. Um, Nevi, I've already said and you already know, look abnormal histologically on biopsy uh, from the vulva. But nevi in a setting of lichen sclerosis look abnormal as well. Third thing is that there are at least two case reports of melanoma in 10-year-old girls in a setting of vulvar lichen sclerosis. I mean, 10-year-old girls don't get melanoma unless they've got a a congenital nevus for the most part, but we're talking about children who developed melanoma on lichen sclerosis skin of the vulva. Yes, ma'am. I would not disagree with biopsying the foreset. The question was, how did I know not to biopsy the foreset, the posterior foreset? I would not disagree with that at all. Um, this is something else that can occur with lichen sclerosis. This is vulvar melanosis, vulvar lentiginosis. You can see it on the penis. You can see it on the mouth. This is a woman. Oh man low-income lady comes in. I see low-income patients a half a day a week. She comes in and what's her chief complaint? Her chief complaint are, my lips are too long and they bother my eight-year-old daughter. What do you say to that? You know? How does your eight-year-old daughter know you've got lips? Well, we shower together. So... I'm not even going to go with what I did with that part of it. But I put her up in stirrups and I look at her and the size of her labia minora are kind of the second thing I notice here. She hasn't even noticed the brown color. And she won't let me biopsy it because she doesn't care. She wants me to cut them off. So she says that I may surgically remove these inner lips but I may not biopsy them. No money, so I said, "Okay, fine. Wait till the end of the morning." And I brought her in, and I hear all of these gynecologists talking about, you know, vaginal rejuvenation. And by the way, it's not vagina; it's vulva. It's just like the vagina monologues. It's not vagina; it's vulva. But so I I put her up in stirrups, and I cut them off, and I just did a little, you know, running suture on the outside, and. I told her at the beginning, I'm not a plastic surgeon. I'm a dermatologist, and they may not match, and we get about halfway through there, and she says, now it's gonna look good, isn't it? And I said, look, I told you, they're gonna be shorter. And if you want me to stop now, that's just fine, and I can give you the name of some, some uh, female part plastic surgeons. Um, But then I got most of the pigment off, and so they were able to to look through it. Nothing malignant, no dysplasia, not anything. You can't tell that from melanoma. That is ugly, nasty, scary-looking stuff. There is no relationship of genital antigenosis evolving into melanoma. There is one case report of genital lentigenosis being associated with bladder melanoma. I don't know what that means. We're certainly not going to start looking in people's bladders if they have uh, genital lentigenosis. This person deserves a biopsy. And even though I know the literature, and by the way, the literature is like 10 articles. So don't take that as the end-all, be-all. I'm still in my patients. going to biopsy it. I'm going to photograph it. I'm going to put it in my chart. And I'm going to look at it each time. This is completely macular. No, no texture change, no thickening, no nothing. Um, essentially almost always multicentric. Often these wild blacks and blues. It's not just light brown discoloration. We have no idea why. But like I say, it also occurs on the, in the mouth uh, and it, also, it occurs on the penis. Here's another woman who comes in. She doesn't like the color. She wants it gone. Um, I didn't know what that was going to be. Biopsied it. Vulvar uh, melanosis. She wanted it gone so I Uh, sampled another place and then froze it. Why did I sample another place? I don't know. Because histologically, they are nothing alike. If you have a dysplastic nevus or even have a a benign nevus and you're worried about melanoma, having sampled it may not tell you the whole thing. Another place may look different. But with lentigenosis, if that's what one of them has got, unless this woman decided to have two unrelated things, you don't need to sample multiple places. Here's another patient who's got vulvar lentiginosis and she also has lichen sclerosis. So lichen sclerosis can have not only post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation but um, genital lentiginosis or genital melanosis. Here's another patient who has got really pretty wild uh, irregular hyperpigmentation associated with her lichen sclerosis. She came because of the pigment change, not because of the lichen sclerosis and didn't know that she had lichen sclerosis. So biopsy it. Um, there's no known association with melanoma. Vulvar biopsies. Okay. Um, Vulvar biopsies are something that I do a fair amount of in my office and I don't think there's any one way of doing it. I find that when I tell patients that I want to biopsy their vulva they are not very happy about it. Go figure. So I will very often tell people that I will put a topical anesthetic on if they prefer or we can just do it, and that if I numb them up, it's going to feel like a bee sting for less than a second, but if I put a topical anesthetic on, they will be up in stirrups for about 45 minutes. And I find that most patients who are ready to freak when I tell them I'm going to do a vulvar biopsy, once they stop and think about it, and they think, one second, 45 minutes, one second, 45 minutes, and they say, oh, just do it. And it seems to give them a reality check that it's really not... um, it's not worth freaking about if it's not worth being up in stirrups for 45 minutes about. And then I will, uh, if I have put, put a topical anesthetic on it or not, I will um, anesthetize them with lidocaine with epinephrine. And you all know on the penis, too, you can use lidocaine with epinephrine. Not if you're doing a deep block, but if you're doing um, skin. I mean, we're talking about a vascular area here. Um, and then you can either do a punch or a shave. How do you decide whether to do a punch or a shave? Well, pretty much like you do on other skin surfaces. If I am biopsying hair-bearing skin, dry, keratinized skin, and if it's a thickened area or tumor, something like that, I am going to be doing a punch. If it's going to be a blister or if it's on a modified mucous membrane, I will usually do a shave. Uh, I don't like doing punches on the modified mucous membranes or the mucous membranes because the skin is so thin. You know, you go in there and your sample is like paper thin. And sometimes you pull the punch out, it's not there. And it's mushed up around the edges and you're digging around trying to find it and, you, and it folds and everything else when you put it, when you're trying to get it processed. So I rarely do a punch on modified mucous membranes unless it's thickened tumor. And then I will. Um, When I do a punch, I did a a study one time where where women needed two punch biopsies on the vulva, so I figured what the heck. I closed half with Vicryl and I left half open. I found that half of my patients preferred it closed with Vicryl, the other half preferred it open. So since I'm a lazy person, I don't close my punches on the vulva since it was 50-50 with my patients. Doing a punch, though, on the vulva can be challenging uh, when you're trying to to get that thin, moist skin and you can't get hold of it. Same thing in the mouth, buccal mucosa, same thing on the um, side of the tongue, same thing on uh, parts of the penis. So here's what I do as far as doing a punch, as far as as doing a shave. I will take a suture, and I will take a little bite of the suture, because if you grab it with forceps, you're going to crush it. You're going to squish it and then I will, come on, hello, I will lift up so that it's stabilized just with that, um, with that suture, and then I will take curved iris scissors and snip through it and then I get exactly what I want and if I'm doing the edge of an erosion or the edge of a blister, I'm not going to shear the blister roof off and I'm going to get a little bit of better sample and I can see exactly where I'm doing it and I have found that to be a useful way to do any mucous membrane or modified mucous membrane biopsies and you don't go down to fat so it doesn't sproing open and take a month to heal. Um, So with melanosis, lentiginosis, biopsy them. I thought I already showed this thing. I think I did. Uh, in summary, isn't it great to hear that that, when somebody says, in summary in conclusion, there are a lot of things that can cause brown color on the genitalia and most are benign and trivial but you often can't tell if you don't biopsy it so if you have a, a flat brown spot on the vulva seriously consider biopsying any flat brown spots and just when I think I put every possible thing that could be brown in this lecture. This woman comes in, and um, her referring doctor thought it was a melanoma, and instead it was a giant blackhead. (laughs) Okay, Thank you very much. Are there any questions? Yes, ma'am. I have a female patient. Um, Mother died of melanoma. Father's had two melanomas. um, Pigmented lesion. Uh, The vulva uh, biopsied by the gynecologist in two spots and said it was uh, the vulvar melanosis, but she makes me nervous (laughs) because of the family history. I don't blame you. I don't blame you, but there is no evidence that that... that That the lentiginosis is going to evolve into melanoma. However, there is no law that says somebody who has melanoma, who has lentiginosis, and a history like that, isn't going to develop a melanoma on their vulva somewhere that is totally unrelated. That's the reason I photograph and follow my patients. I did photos. Can I trust the gyno's biopsy? Probably so. If you think these don't look anything alike, the lentiginosis and. Of melanocytic process uh, of a tumor, either a nevus, dysplastic nevus, or melanoma. One is tumor, one is just hyperpigmentation mm-hmm. and, and hyperplasia. Uh, should look nothing alike. But if you have any question, just call for the slide and have it reviewed by a dermatopathologist. Okay. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yes, ma'am. Uh, you had mentioned something in your lecture about women not liking the size of their labia. Uh Ironically, in the past week, there was an article, I think it was on MSNBC.com, uh, about women, um, the incidence of women having cosmetic procedures on the vagina, or, I'm sorry, the vulva, are increasing. <laughs> Good job. Are increasing. I'll tell What is your take on that? I can't tell you in this venue. We had in Scotland, in, in, um, in Edinburgh last month, we had an entire half-day pro-con uh, discussion about vulvar plastic surgery, and should the ISSVD come out with a, a uh, position statement on it? I personally think it's nuts. Um, <laughs> but there are, there are, there's an occasional woman who has labia minora that are so long. How long are they? That they can really be uncomfortable and be irritated and tangle in underwear and stuff like that. But, um, but in general, okay. it, it's a very popular thing to do. I see advertisements in our local newspaper now for vaginal rejuvenation and designer vaginas, that's my favorite. You know, I can't even figure out where to put the furniture in my living room, much less to design my vulva. It is really common. The hospital that I work at, the plastic surgeon has actually been getting a lot of female patients requesting that their vulva look better. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. I think they're people who need to get a life, but that's just <laughs> Yes, ma'am. For um, normal-looking nevus and kids, peri- you know, in genital areas, the parents has requests that you take them out. What is, how do you handle that and if you do take that out at what age do you recommend? A normal appearing nevus on a child um, I would leave it alone if it's an absolutely normal looking nevus and I personally would not want it removed and I would tell them to wait until puberty and that they were old enough that they wanted it off. Uh, Understanding that if I find out that they're going to go to a surgeon who's going to put the kid to sleep I might um, be willing to be pushed but, gosh, I don't like attacking the genitalia of children If it's in, in, in before puberty. If it's not in a setting of melanoma, and if they've not been abused so that it's HPV, I just would not worry nearly as much as in an adult or post child. Yes, ma'am? In somebody with perianal warts, do you ever recommend referral to GI for a scope? I used to. I used to try and get rid of absolutely everything I saw, and I don't anymore. I just, um, oh... Um, I, I just treat what I see. Uh, but if it's a high-risk type, absolutely. If they're brown and flat and I biopsy them and they show squamous cell carcinoma in situ, you betcha. But otherwise, no, I just treat what I see. And I didn't put my disclaimer, disclosure slide up here, and I have this much of a disclosure sli- uh, thing because I um, used to speak for Graceway and 3M about Aldera, And I use uh, quite a lot of Aldera or Omequimod on my VIN3s and my genital warts. I find it to be a very good medication. And it's so much better than carving up people when they've got something like VIN3.